Amen. Well, how many glad people? If you're glad, say, I am glad. And even David, the psalmist says this, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. So I personally want to welcome everyone today uh, to the house of the Lord. Even as we're streaming, I want to welcome you to Abounding Grace Family Worship Center. We do not take it lightly, and I don't take it lightly, that you've invested time and, and, and separated and consecrated time to be able to be with us today. And if you just by uh, uh, happen to have come across this stream or you're visiting us for the first time uh, uh, or joining us for the first time via stream, let us know. Just put in the chat to say, hey, I'm a first timer. And, you know, I, I'm just encouraging everyone to just greet uh, whoever might be joining us for the first time, uh, whether you're watching by Facebook or on YouTube. Uh, thank you so much for joining us. And so we do say welcome uh, to you as well. And then for everyone else who's been journeying and walking with us, uh, thank you so much. This has been good. This has been a blessing. This has been a uh, reformation. It's been transformative and, and very, uh, it's just been good. You know, uh, we've been going through the book of Nehemiah for the most part, line upon line, you know, as we've been teaching. And I know that God is in the midst of us doing some things. You know, he's building, not he's building a people, building us as far as for our character, building maturity and really, uh, bringing us to the place of who he's called us to be as a people, making sure that we are uh, back to his original intent as far as we're just really tabernacling with God, being in his presence and really having our hearts focused on him and on the things of God. And so that's what we're going to zero in on some more today. Uh, you know, after we came off of this past Wednesday, we talked about right the wrong. And so I encourage you to go back and listen to that message about you know, righting the wrong. And in that, we just talked about um, really uh, some of the things that the people saw that were wrong and God, you know, really convicted their hearts. And as they were hearing the word, uh, they were moved to repentance and worship. And so, uh, and again, you know, we talked about that, you know, this past Wednesday, but then uh, we'll kind of begin here uh, for today because we're talking about commitment to covenant. And the way we finished off on Wednesday is how we'll begin because covenant is actually important. Covenant is important. And of course, there's different layers to covenant and we'll see a couple of different layers. But I'm telling you that today, uh, I believe that God's hand is, you know, even on this uh, word today and uh, just the uh, significance of what this day represents, you know, according to God's calendar as well. But someone just say right now, say, I am a keeper of covenant. Yeah, that's strong. That's strong. And so uh, you don't have to turn there. I want to read this well, um, just in your hearing. The last verse that we read was in uh, uh, Nehemiah chapter 9, verse 38. And so the people had just come from this, uh, you know, just praying this prayer of repentance and really just acknowledging who God is and acknowledging the wonders that he has done. In essence, it was like, God, you know, because of who you are and because you are a keeper of covenant, remember us, even in, even in our distress and what we're going on, God, remember us. And God does remember that. And he's got plans for that, you know, because he's our redeemer. And then it says this in chapter nine, verse 38. Again, I'm not going to put it up, but you can look at it in your own word. And it says, and because of all this, we, this is what Ezra is saying in this prayer. And because of all this, we make a sure covenant and write it. 
our leaders, our Levites, and our priests seal it. So they say that prayer there. So they said that they make a sure covenant. So this was a different type of covenant. This wasn't necessarily the covenant that, that, that God, you know, the strength of covenant that God made with men, but the men are coming together saying, hey, you know, God, we're making this agreement because of your faithfulness, because of your covenant, we are making a covenant today. So it's a renewal. So you have reformation, you got so many things going on. You got a revival, you got reformation, you have renewal. And so uh, the people, um, there's a freshness that is going on because God has restored and God has done some things and they've acknowledged it, they've seen it. And so I just want to look at chapter 10, verse one, and then we'll uh, skip down to uh, some later verses. All right, so now you can look at this together with me. Nehemiah chapter 10 Verse one, now those who place their seal on the document, remember this covenant that they said that they're making and writing. Now we're seeing the people who have sealed it and who put their names on it. Now those who placed their seal on the document were Nehemiah, the governor, the son of Helkaliah and Zedekiah. And so let me just stop for a moment because we see that because then it begins to go on several verses for just a list of people who wrote their name as a seal on this document. Now, how many times have we heard things in our society and there's so many things about rumors and you got people with news sources that says, hey, you know, we heard this report from somebody that's anonymous. <laughs> We've got anonymous sources right now. And I remember, uh, I believe it was even a football coach, you know, talking about a reporter saying something that took place in the locker room, but nobody would say anything. It was just anonymous. And so the coach was like, well, man, if you said it, put your name on it, put a name on it. And so I say that it's powerful because you have these people that have this, that have come together and said, Hey, Lord, we are making a sure covenant this day and we are writing it and we are selling it. And not only that, we are putting our name on it. And so the first person that we see who is listed was the governor, Nehemiah. And so, and then you begin to have other people, you begin to have other leaders and other priests, and then the Levites that begin to write their names on it. So what a moment, what a thing of accountability to say, hey, you know, we are committed to this. Somebody say, I am committed. Now, it's one thing to be able to say it, but it's a whole nother thing to be able to write it. And then to say, hey, you know, I'm committed. And so it just lets us know when you write something, it's another level of commitment. When you put something down on paper, it's another level of commitment. And so I just want to encourage somebody right now, do not be intimidated if God is moving upon you, because sometimes people might say, well, man, I don't want to write it because I know that it's another level of accountability. I'm saying, no, write it down, write the vision, make it plain that he might read it, write it on tablets. In other words, write it on something that is fixed. So that way when people read it, they can run with it. And so what they did, they wrote it down in this document also, I believe is just also a memorial for the generations to come. And we'll see why, you know, in a little bit, but they made themselves accountable. And so I just think in such a moment like this, that I think that there needs to be just another level of accountability amongst the body, because this is one thing that we do realize, and sometimes it can go lacking in the current conditions, if you will, that we might be in while people are uh, apart physically. And so I just believe that even in this moment, in the hearing that God is saying, hey, you know what, there's just another level of accountability because guess what? God writes things down and then he says things about himself and then he tells people, hey, write this down. 
Oh my goodness. And so even in this word, I believe that we're just going to be taking on more of the nature of God and, and his character as far as for just, uh, you know, keeping covenant. Because we know that God keeps covenant. God instituted the idea of covenant and says, look, I make covenant with man. He did it with Abram. And so we see here again that Nehemiah, the governor, and then the list goes on and on. And I see it so, so many times, you know, people will be like, well, man, I don't want to sign this first until I read it all. <laughs> until I read it. And I get it in a certain sense for a contract, by all means, read some things. But as it pertains to God, you know, we want to make sure that we have a heart because of understanding of who he is. That it's like, God, you know what? I know you're a keeper of covenant. Lord, help me to be mindful of even what comes out of my mouth and what I'm writing because I want to be a keeper of covenant as well. Oh, and that's just good character. So if you say it, mean it. And if you mean it, then you say it. Ah, okay, so here we go. And so we see that they placed their seal on the document. And these are the people that did it. And it goes through the list and the leaders of the people. And then we're going to go to verse 28. Chapter 10, verse 28. And it says, now the rest of the people. <laughs> Somebody say, that's me. Now the rest of the people, the priests. The Levites, the gatekeepers, ah, the singers, the Nethanim, and all those who had separated themselves from the peoples of the lands of the law, their wives, their sons, and their daughters, everyone who had knowledge and understanding. My goodness, I got to break this down. And so it says the rest of the people. And so some people, you know, I just... You know, for those that might know, it's like, well, man, who are the priests? Who are the Levites? The Levites were people that have been set apart, you know, for, for the temple, for the temple, for the sanctuary, for the things in particular of God. And then the priests were actually a different part of the people, other Levites who actually received things uh, as far as for sacrifice and offerings. And, you know, they, 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 they were allowed to do some additional things that other Levites weren't able to do. So priests were a part of the Levites, but they had some additional responsibilities and another level of accountability. And so you have that. And so it says the priests, the Levites, the gatekeepers. Remember how we read about the gatekeepers, the people that were on the walls that were watching the gates, watching who was coming in, watching who was coming out. And so in our terms, in the spirit realm, I would say that these are also people that are intercessors. Look at these people that are making a seal, that are coming together saying, yes, we are making a covenant. Yes, we understand reformation. Yes, that we are renewing ourselves. Oh, yeah, so you have people, and just so that you know today, because some of you might say, well, man, I'm not a priest. Oh, yes, you are. The Bible says this, you know, in, in, in one of the letters of Peter, it says, look, you are a royal priesthood, a holy nation. So that means you. That absolutely means you and I today. So we have one uh, in Christ Jesus. We have that priestly mantle. And so it's a royalness that comes with it. And a holy nation means that we are set apart. So don't just look at this even as we're reading this and just say, nah, that's just them. Somebody say, no, this is me. Because it says the rest of the people, the rest of the people. And so again, the rest of the people, the priests, the Levites, the gatekeepers, and the singers. So it means people, those that were worshipers, there was a dedicated, there was an appointed people that were to sing praises and to worship God and to signify uh, different occasions and things that God has done through song. And so somebody say, that's me too. Oh, yeah, so we get all this wrapped up together. Of course, these were people, a group that was separated, but this is all us 
together, individually and collectively. We are priests. We are to intercede and to watch. And not just our assembly as a congregation, but even over our families and even over our lives, we are to be gatekeepers. We are to be singers. singers. We are to worship in song. We are to sing psalms. We are to sing hymns. We are to sing with the Spirit. Somebody say, yes, that's me, that's me, that's me. That's me. That's me. And so, and it says the Nethanim. And so what the Nethanim were, they were just other people. They weren't necessarily Levites, but they did some of the, the menial tasks as it pertains to the temple. And then all those, you see how there's so many things included? All those who have separated themselves. Again, this is a part of the holiness. We are a royal priesthood, a holy nation. And so these are people who have separated themselves from the people of the land. And so I got to say this part because I said it on Wednesday, but I need to say it again because what the people did, they separated themselves from the foreigners. And so what we do today, we separate ourselves from foreign things. We separate ourselves from foreign ideologies. We separate ourselves from things that are not connected to covenant. Oh, those things that are not holy. Because sometimes we can have a tendency in, in moments like this when we, we don't gather consistently in, per, in, per, in, in person, that it can be real easy to attach ourselves and connect ourselves to unholy things. Because we're, we, we have a tendency to try to look for some, some form of, 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 of connection and fellowship. And so this is what I want us to be mindful of and what God wants us to be mindful of, which we talked about, but I got to say it again. It's all about him. If anything, during this time period, our relationship and our connection with him should be even more holy and should be even tighter. It should be even more sensitive to what's on God's mind and what's on God's heart that it be upon our mind and be upon our hearts. Somebody say, I make a sure covenant. <laughs> and so the people said this. It's like, look, we make a sure covenant, meaning that this isn't, this isn't something that we enter into lightly. We're not, we're not just saying things just to be saying things. We're not just writing something because it's just a good idea. We're not just, we're not just doing something just based upon having a good intention. And many times we say, God knows my heart. And because we might have an intention of a thing, but that doesn't mean that we actually keep it. And so, yes, God does look at the intentions, but he's also saying, what are the fruits of the intentions? What are the fruits of the ideas? And so people might say, well, man, you know, I intended to do something. I didn't mean to do something. No. So scratch that. Forget those things right now. Say this day, this moment, as I am hearing this, I am making a short covenant. And I'm telling you, it must be something that has to be a heart thing and not just a religious duty and not just something that is out of exercise. Sometimes we gather. Oh, I don't want to get ahead of myself, but let me say it now. Sometimes we just gather together and this is not going to be yes, but I'm just saying, uh, you, you know, if it's you, then let it be a transformation right now. But sometimes we can gather together and it just be out of duty. And we're and, and it's not a sure thing. And so I just believe that even in this moment that we got to be stepping in and we got to be walking in the sure things. I need to say that again. This time we have to be stepping in and walking in and keeping the sure things. Those are the things that God has ordained. Those are the, th the sure things that God says, yeah, that is sure because I'm in it. 
so that way we're not just drifting and, 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 and covenanting with other things that God says, hey, that is not sure. And I, I believe that God was just sharing with me, it was the other day, it, was, it wasn't a random thought, but it just kind of came about, you know, even in the midst of the shaking, God was just reminding me, he was like, hey, my kingdom is unshakable. He was like, the things that you see are shakable. The things that men produce in and of their own strength are shakable. But what, what, what God is doing is saying, hey, I want my people to get back to the sure things. Woo! And I'm telling you, this is a sure thing. This word, this holy Bible, it's a sure thing. Ah, the ordinances of the Lord are a sure thing. Why? Because he has designated them. So somebody just say right now, Lord, I thank you for bringing me to the sure things. Yeah, say it one more time. Lord, I thank you for bringing my attention to the sure things. And even the sure things that he has spoken over your life. Even the sure things that he has spoken over our lives. That's why God is bringing some things back. He was like, hey, and it isn't just repetition for repetition's sake. It's, it almost seems like it's repetition because it's a sure thing. It's something that he has already established. And so it should not be a generation that, 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 well, I should say, well, every generation, God raises up a people to come back to those sure things that he has established. And so you have this people that have said, can we just talk about God for a little bit? Because God, God is a keeper of covenant. You don't have to turn there. I want to read this, but it's a couple of occasions in Nehemiah. It says this. Nehemiah said it himself in Nehemiah 1.5. He says, and I said when he's praying, I pray the Lord God of heaven, O great and awesome God, you who keep your covenant. You who keep your covenant, this is what God does, his promises. This is what God does. And then here Ezra, the scribe, says the same thing in his prayer in Nehemiah 9.32. He says, now therefore our God, the great, the mighty, and awesome God, who keeps covenant and mercy. Uh, it's a sure thing. It's sure because it's his character. His character does not change. God does not change in his character. So that's why we stay connected, because guess what? There's a whole bunch of things that are unsure. We're, our government is unsure about things. And so that's why I'm like, we don't look to our, I'm talking about our earthly government in this United States of America. We pray for our government. We pray for our leaders. But guess what? There's a bunch of unsurety. <laughs> they have different opinions about things. And as things change, you know, they kind of shift and things of that nature. So that's why we must be anchored in him. And so we are walking in the sure thing. And it's like, look, I may not know everything, but this one thing I know, <laughs> this sure thing, and I'm going to keep this and I'm going to stick to this so much that I'm going to put my name on it. I'm going to put my name on it. It's like, look, God is sure about this. I am sure about this. Ah, can somebody just, just speak about something that God has spoken over your life? God is sure about this call. I am sure about this call. Oh, somebody just lift up your hand right now. And say, Lord, I'm sure. <laughs> Lord, I'm sure about you. I'm sure about what you spoke. And so now that brings us to a point where it's like, man, you know what? Let me just write some things down. And now let me just sign it. Signed by. And you can put your John Hancock. <laughs> Yeah, but we are going to be sure about the things of God, and this is how we know, because it talks about the rest of the people. It talks about the wives and the sons and the daughters, people coming together as an assembly saying, hey, I'm sure. 
And then it says this, everyone who had, there's a distinction, here's a distinction, everyone who had knowledge, matter of fact, can we put up verse 28 one more time, let me read it. Now the rest of the people, the priests, the Levites, the gatekeepers, the singers, the Nethanim, and all those who had separated themselves from the peoples of the lands to the law of God. So God delivers from and he delivers you to their wives, their sons and their daughters. Everyone who had knowledge and understanding. And so that 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 needs to be us. That needs to be us. Somebody just again, just say that's me. Somebody again, say that's me. Somebody say, yep, God, I have knowledge and I have understanding. But this is a distinction. And this is one thought that came, you know, even just in my meditation and prayer time, as I just began to just look at this list of people who had signed their name, who are putting the seal on this covenant. And we're going to share more about what, what their covenant that they made, because it's very important. Um, but, you know, you can have many people that'll say that they're with you, but they don't have knowledge and understanding about the call that God has given your life. And so what happens is people's like, yeah, I'm with you, but because you're sure. And then when you start facing some resistance, some people begin to back off and be like, hold up. You know, I'm not sure about this. Because <laughs> they lack knowledge and understanding. Oh, my goodness. Maybe they got caught up in the emotion. And this could, this could have been an emotional moment. Yeah, Lord, we got the temple rebuilt. Woohoo! They was like, no, it was a holy, it was a reverential thing. We talked about that. They repented because they realized, God, you are in this. It isn't just my emotions, God, but you are in this. And so they had knowledge and understanding. This is one thing that I began to think about, how many people might be along for the ride or they might be along for the reward, but they're not along for the relationship. Oh, yeah, I need to say that again. Many people will be along for the ride. Oh, they like it. Woo. It's like, oh, man, this is so good. Many people might be along for the reward. It's like, man, I can't wait to see what's going to happen about this. But they're not along for the relationship. Oh, my God. And then the relationship is key. I believe God just began to speak to me this even about this. And he was reminding me. He was like, hey, you know what? For the people that had knowledge and understanding, another word that we can say or that I want to submit to you now is just perspective. And how powerful perspective is. Because when you're along for the ride and when you're along for, for, for the reward, it's almost like you're, 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 you're kind of just in the back seat of a vehicle and you kind of just have your head down and you're just waiting until you get to the destination. But if you're sitting on the front seat, you have perspective. And even though you might not necessarily be driving, you begin to be seated and you begin to see things from the one who is driving. And so just in this moment, having knowledge and having understanding is having the right perspective. But having that perspective comes from knowing the person of Jesus and having fellowship and relationship with the person of the Holy Spirit. Ah, uh, and, and that's where people kind of start getting unsure about things, kind of start backing off and be like, ah, oh, man, I didn't know it was going to take all this. <laughs> I didn't know that there were, re there were requirements. <laughs> I was just along for the ride and for the reward. You mean that there's requirements to this relationship? 
You mean God keeps the covenant, but there's something that I need to be mindful of as well? Absolutely. There's some things that I need to adhere to as well. You mean it's not just about me and my dreams and my visions? And No, no, it's not. It's all about him. And so that's why some people back off. It's like, hold up. Nah, I ain't signed up for this. <laughs> I didn't know it was going to take all this. You know what? It actually takes your whole life. It requires your whole life. And so, again, the people who had knowledge and have understanding, in other words, they have perspective. It was like, hold up. We've already prayed and acknowledged a couple of times that, God, you keep covenant. And let me just say this. This life that we are living from this, quote, unquote, old covenant to the new covenant we're in now, it's covenant. <laughs> it's about covenant. And so covenant has requirements from the old to now. And so we don't want to just kind of be like, hey, you know, it's just, it's just, you know, whatever, whatever. No, we have to be mindful. That's part of our distinction. That's part of our holiness. And so we are keepers of things. We're priests. We're singers, worshipers before the Lord. We're, we intercede. We are keepers of things. Oh, yeah. So these people said, you know, and now I am sure of this. I am sure of our because here's the perspective, because God was restoring a people that have been in exile. But he's restoring a people back to their identity, their place of promise and their purpose in tabernacling and being with him. And so they're saying, Lord, you're sure of it. And we're sure of who we are in you. Oh, my God. And God is reforming it. So he's writing some of the things that have been wrong. And the people now have knowledge and understanding. It's like, look, we, we weren't just along for the ride of just the enjoyment. Well, uh, we weren't just along for building the wall. <laughs> but God, now we are understanding. We are seeing from your perspective, God, that this is about you. This is about your plan. That's why we had to repent because of what took place in our forefathers. That's why we had to repent because of the generations that did not have the right perspective pertaining to the temple and to the city and allow some things to kind of just walk by. I'm telling you, when you have the wrong perspective, you can walk by something that is wrong and then you just keep on going. That's the wrong perspective, especially as it pertains to something that God might say, hey, hey, I want you to pay attention to this. And then if you just keep on moving and don't uh, feel like or have a sense that it needs to be corrected, God says, hey, I need you to see things from my perspective. You keep walking past it, but I want to let you know that I, I desire to do something afresh in this. And it's like, and then once you come to that awareness, then it's like, God, you know what? I thank you for opening my eyes to this. Show me what I need to do to correct this. Lord, I repent for not seeing this and for allowing this to go for this long. Now, God, I correct it. God, now, 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 Lord, I keep my attention to this. Until you're pleased. So now these people who had knowledge and understanding. Verse 29. And it says this. Oh, hold up. Before we read it, somebody say, Lord, give me your perspective. <laughs> say it again. Say, Lord, I receive your perspective. Yeah, it, it comes with the level of accountability. Because when you see some things, one of the things that you have to do immediately is pray. As soon as God shows you something, as soon as you get something from perspective, guess what? You have to be a gatekeeper. You have to pray. It's like, Lord, I know you showed me that. I don't necessarily know what I need to do about it yet, but let me pray in the Holy Ghost. <laughs> let me pray in the spirit. 
so that way I may gain knowledge and understanding. Come on, that's what we want in, see, in this season. Yeah, because God is still mindful of covenant. He keeps covenant from generation to generation, verse 29. And then it says this, these join with the brethren, their nobles, and entered into a curse and an oath to walk in God's law, which was given by Moses, the servant of God, and to observe and do, observe and do, observe and do all the commandments of the Lord, our Lord, and his ordinances and statutes. Verse 30, we would not give, so here you go, you see some of the ordinances and statutes. We would not give our daughters as wives to the people of the land, nor take their daughters for our sons. Let me stop right there for a moment. So now we're talking about something that is from generation to generation. They realize it's like, look, you know what? We had been doing this, but we're not going to do this anymore because we've just been giving our sons and our daughters to the peoples of the land. And these people of the land are not mindful of covenant. These people of the land don't have knowledge and understanding of God's perspective. And so now what that happened was now it was becoming people in those uh, uncovered, those those relationships that did not have covenant connected to them. It drew them to compromise. That's why the things of God, that's why the city was in waste and the ordinances of the temple and the things pertaining to God had gone forsaken for so long and God had to keep raising up people to remind them. And so I believe we're just in that moment right now where God is just reminding his church, reminding his people about what's really important. No more just drifting and just entertaining ourselves and just, 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 just things, but really getting back to his presence. Because guess what? As things begin to open up, one thing that we should not do is go back to what we used to do. I need to say that again. As things begin to open up, but some people getting vaccines and as businesses are opening up and, 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 and laws begin to loosen, one thing that we as a distinct people, one thing that we should not do is go back to what we used to do. If you are looking forward to going back, you are looking with the wrong perspective. And so what God is saying this, even as they are recollecting, guess what? They're thinking forward. <laughs> Remember about review and preview? Even as they're looking back at the, at the word of the Lord and at God's laws, which always stays the same, they're looking forward. And how do I know we're looking forward? Because now they're talking about their sons and their daughters. Now they're thinking about the next generation. Guess what? Even us right now, we got to be mindful of the next generation as we keep covenant. And again, this isn't a, a guilt or condemnation thing. This is like, hey, let's let there be renewal. Let there be a revival. Let there be some changes, the, the, the proper adjustments, so that way we can really honor God uh, the way that he says that he is honored. And not that we, in our day now, because we thank God for grace and we thank God for the blood of Jesus, so it's not like we're entering into oath or saying, if you don't do this, you're cursed. <laughs> but no, we're saying, God, you know, we want to please you. We want to honor you. And the things that, that, are, that, that are important to you, God, we're saying that it's important to us. And so one of the things that are, are, that are important and that we'll see here, we'll kind of just, you know, jump around from different points but here. But check this out in verse 32. We're going to see a theme here from these different verses, and I'm going to highlight it for you. 
Verse 32, also we made ordinances for ourselves to exact from ourselves yearly. This is what they did yearly. One third of a shekel for the service, and somebody say, of the house of our God. Say that part right there, the house of our God. The house of our God. Verse 33, for the showbread, for the regular grain offering, for the regular burnt offering of the Sabbaths, the new moons, and the set feasts. We talked about that a little bit, the Feast of Tabernacles. For the holy things, for the sin offering, to make atonement for Israel, all the work of the house of our God. Somebody say again, of the house of our God. Verse 34, we cast lots among the priests, the Levites, and the people for bringing the wood offering into where? The house of our God, according to our father's houses at the appointed times year by year to burn on the altar of the Lord, our God, as it is written in the law. Huh? What do you think is going to happen in verse 35? Let's look. And we made ordinances to bring the first fruits of our ground and the first fruits of all the fruits of all trees year by year to where? The house of the Lord. Oh, my goodness. Can we just stop for a moment? <laughs> so we see right here now four mentions of the house of our God or the house of our Lord. And these people are gathering together, making a covenant, making a commitment because God, they acknowledge the fact that, God, you have kept your covenant with us even when we have been unfaithful. God, you still keep your covenant. And God, this day we are acknowledging who you are. We are acknowledging that you keep your promises. So, Lord, we are renewing a commitment to covenant, to your covenant, God. And we're making even a covenant and agreement, an agreement amongst ourselves to honor you. And so the things that we produce, the things that we have, God, we've seen in your law how we are to honor you, God. So we're saying today, God, we're going to honor you with our possessions. God, we're going to honor you with our children. God, we're going to honor you with our things. God, we're going to honor you with our life. So we see that here, and this is what is written, and this is what the people put their names to. So here we go, verse 36. And so they continue on. Lord, this is what we're going to do also to bring the firstborn of our sons and our cattle as it is written in the law and the firstborn of our herds and our flocks to the house of our God, to the priests, hold up, to the house of where? To the house of our God, to the house of our God, to the priests who minister, where do they minister? In the house of our God. <laughs> My God. Verse 37, to bring the first fruits of our dough. Our offerings, the fruit from all kinds of trees, the new wine and oil to the priests. And there's so much to say about this to the storerooms of the house of our God. So I just need to say this. Uh, as, uh, oh, my gosh. I let, hold on. Let me just say this because <laughs> it talks about the new wine and the oil. I see anointing in that. Because some people, and again, this isn't just, uh, uh, you know, I'm not saying this to be, you know, whatever, you know, try to make a snide or snarky comment about it, comment about it. But, you know, people, they can have their anointing, they can have their new wine. But what people might do or have the perspective and say, hey, you know, because I'm anointed, I'm just going to go out and do my own thing. But the scripture is saying, even though we know that this is a natural thing that's coming to the house of God, we're saying, hey, bring your anointing. If you are anointed, then it must be connected to the house of the Lord. Can I just say this? Look, 
whether you're prophetic or whatever the case may be, guess what? You need to be connected to a house. You need to be connected to a ministry. You need to bring it, submit it, allow it to be refined, allow it to be covered in prayer. That's why the uh, apostles and prophets and pastors and teachers and evangelists is important. But amen, amen. I, 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 I think we got that, right? So to the storerooms of the house. All right, so verse 37, let me read it one more time. To bring the first fruits of our dough, our offerings, the fruit from all kinds of trees, the new wine and oil. So meaning even, oh yeah, okay. To the priest, <laughs> to the storerooms of the house of our God. And to bring the tithes of our land to the Levites. For the Levites should receive the tithes in all our farming communities. Verse 38. And the priest, the descendant of Aaron, shall be with the Levites when the Levites receive the tithes. And the Levites shall bring up a tenth of the tithes to where? The house of our God. <laughs> to the rooms of the storehouse. All right, look at me for a moment because we've talked about this even in our giving, but let me just go ahead and say it now. Guess where the tithes go? To the house of our God. When the increase come, guess where we submit it to? To the house of our God. When those stimulus checks hit the bank account, <laughs> guess where the tithe goes? Because that was an increase that you did not work for. Guess where it goes? To the house of our God. <laughs> oh, it's true. Oh, it's true. But these are the people that have an understanding and have knowledge. These are the people that aren't just along for the ride and not just along for the reward, but they understand God's perspective and God's requirements. And not just based upon the law. I'm talking about for us modern day now, but now because of love which is an even greater law. As a matter of fact, all of the law is fulfilled in love. But this isn't forsaken. Because there's heart behind this. And so we see so far, we've seen so far eight times now to the house of the Lord, to the house of God. And so I think that it's so interesting to make sure that we just understand is how important it is for us to be able to assemble, how important it is for the church to be the church that God has called us to be. And for us as a people to, to, to not forsake the assembling uh, together. Oh my goodness. Guess what? What we gather together and what we do and what we talk about and our worship on Sundays and then on Wednesdays, guess what? It's important. It's important. Somebody say it's important to God. It's sure to God. It's sure to me. Somebody say it's important to God. It's important to me. Somebody say it's sure to God. It's sure to me. Oh, my goodness. And so the people were mindful of this. The people were mindful of this. Oh, my goodness. Even when, this is how important it is. Even when, whew, even in Acts when the, 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 when the, the Christians, when the believers, 
when, when people had labeled them Christians and, they, and the Jewish people, the religious people, did not want the Christians to be around in the temple. And so now uh, the Christians were gathering in homes and things of that nature. Guess what? People still came and brought goods and things to the apostles' feet so that way they can distribute. So even though they may not have had a physical building where they were comfortable to be able to go into, oh, does this even sound like today? They still had a mind to give. They still had a mind to bring resources for the kingdom. Because guess what? It's important to God. Because why? It's sure. It's a sure thing. So we do the sure things. And one of the, uh, yep, so I kind of hear this right now because God just says this. He was like, hey, because we're talking about, because it's a sure thing, God's just seeing, even saying, hey, you know what? I do the sure things. He's like, I'm all about the sure things. He's just reminding me right now to remind you, what did I say about the tithe? He says this, this is a sure thing. He says, prove me now, bring all the tithe into the storehouse, that there might be provision, that there might be meat in my house. And God says, prove me now in this, says the Lord. If I will not open up the windows of heaven and pour out such a blessing upon you that there will not be room enough for you to receive it. Then all the nations will call you blessed. Then you will be a delightsome land, says the Lord of hosts. God says this. He says, look, that's a sure thing. Oh, my goodness. It's a sure thing. And this, this is a thought that just kind of came to me as a revelation. I was like, Lord, how, how can there not be room enough to receive it? And this is his perspective. He was like, it's the generations. He was like, even as I bless you, you can't even receive it all, so it's going to overflow to your generations. Oh, my goodness. And so now we see the people. They begin to talk about their sons and their daughters and their wives. And everybody that had knowledge and understanding are coming and everybody's bringing what they have, their oil. They're bringing their anointing. They're bringing their resources. They're bringing their gifts to the house of the Lord to honor God. The peoples, the leaders, the priests, the rest of the peoples. Oh, let me just say this. So that means, yes, the apostle needs the tithe. The prophets need the tithe. The evangelists need to tithe. The teachers need to tithe. The pastors need to tithe. They need to bring. Yeah, because you got some people that feel like that they don't need to. They'll give a word for other people and then they don't do it. That's a lack of perspective. Oh, my goodness. All right. So anyways, so to the house of our God, the rooms of the storehouse, verse 39. <laughs> verse 39, for the children of Israel and the children of Levi shall bring the offering of the grain of the new wine and the oil to the storerooms where the articles of the sanctuary are, where the priests who minister and the gatekeepers and the singers are. And we will, can some of y'all read that last part with me? And we will not neglect the house of our God. And we will not neglect the house of our God. So let the singer sing. <laughs> let the singer sing. Let the singer sing. Let the intercessors intercede. Let the people that have the ministry of helps, let them serve. Whatever oil, whatever fresh wine that you bring, bring it. Bring it. Bring it to the house of our Lord. 
We will not neglect the house of our God. We will not neglect the things of God. The articles of the sanctuary, those are the things of the, the physical things of the temple. But guess what? It's, 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 it's the mindset and it's, it's the mindset and the perspective that God, all of this belongs to you. Truthfully, all of it does belong to him. What we do bring is a portion. But it all, the 100%, it all belongs to him. But this is our responsibility and this is our joy. This is our responsibility, but this is our joy to be able to bring this to you. And so the people, they were actually doing this with joy. There was feast times, so they were mindful. It's like, God, you, we know that you have ordained times for us to be able to gather. It's a sure thing to you. It's a sure thing to us. It's important to you. It's important to us. God, you have blessed our land, so far be it from us to not give unto you that which you have blessed our lands to produce. My goodness, it's a sure thing to you. It's a sure thing to us. God, you've given me a voice to be able to sing, God, so I want to offer that to you in the house of the Lord. Many people take their singing gift and they begin to offer it to the world, but God says, hey, no, I gave that to you, and it is to be used for me and for my glory. Bring your gift, bring your gift, bring your musical gift, Bring your playing, bring your singing, bring your rapping, bring your writing, bring it to me. So that way there can be a newness of wine. And oh, yeah, so I'll just kind of hear this, that even in this moment, even in the moment that God is just saying right now, thank you, Holy Ghost, that there was a newness of wine and there was a newness of oil coming forth out of your life in the name of Jesus. Thank you, God. There was a newness of wine and a newness of oil that you're going to produce from this day forward in the name of Jesus. And the reason why that's coming so strong that, that I, I'll share a little bit about this, uh, that this day right now, March 14th, and I'm not talking about in Nehemiah, but I'm talking about March 14th, this day, according to the Hebrew calendar, it's actually a new ecclesiastical year. You know how we can have like a new year, then a new school year and a new fiscal year? Well, this day, March 14th, begins the month of Nisan, the month of miracles, the month of harvest. And oftentimes during this day, kings, they were anointed on this day. And so it's just coming to me right now that God is just saying, just, hey, on this day, even as you're reading about the new wines and reading about the new oils and the things pertaining to the house of God, God is just saying, hey, there is a new wine and a new oil that you will be bringing to the house of God and something that the world that uh, and something that will destroy the yokes and remove bondages that are in the world. Somebody say, Lord, I thank you for the new wine and the new oil being produced out of my life. Yeah, because guess what? This past year has been a squeezing, but it's been a squeezing and it's been a pressure. Oh, thank you, Holy Ghost, for this new wine and a new oil. You do not get oil without crushing olives. You do not get wine without busting grapes. And many of us have kind of sensed this squeeze, but it's been for a glorious purpose and a glorious reason so that way we can produce a new wine and produce a new oil. Come on. In the name of Jesus. So that way we're not going back to the old. We're not going back to the old sackcloth, that the old perspective. No, God says, no. Oh, upgrade your perspective. 
coming up higher, my friends. <laughs> In the name of Jesus, that way we might be able to keep things properly from his perspective, that we might be able to guard. Uh, yeah, because, oh, yeah, because we got to guard in this season. But we do it with a new wine and we do it with a new oil. Can I read verse 39 one more time? For the children of Israel, let's read it together. Can y'all read it together with me in unison, in unison together? And I'm going to read, let me slow it down just a little bit. For the children of Israel, somebody say me. And the children of Levi, somebody say me. Shall bring the offering of the grain of the new wine and the oil to the storerooms where the articles of the sanctuary are. Somebody say abounding grace. Where the priests who minister and the gatekeepers and the singers are. And we will not neglect the house of our God. My God. Somebody just put your name on it. Just write your name by that verse. I just heard that. Just write your name by that verse. Put your signature. Put your signature. See why you got to get a Bible, Bible with paper? <laughs> Put your name on it. Lord, say, look, I, Lord, I'm committed. I'm not going to neglect your house, nor the things pertaining to your kingdom. All right? That's, 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 the, that's the bigger perspective. The things pertaining to the kingdom of God. That we will not neglect it. The new wine and the new oil that God, because it's one thing to say, yes, I got a new wine, I got a new oil, I got a new anointing, a new mantle, all that. But, oh, you can't just say I receive it and then you just go on in life neglecting it. Oh, can I just say this right now? Many people have neglected the things of God even as what has God has prescribed to your life. And God is saying, nope, not anymore. The things that I've anointed you for. The things that I've made sure in your life, do not neglect it. Do not neglect the call. Do not neglect some of the things that have already been written. The things that God has already written. Because we, we are actually walking in as we pertain in this and as we make a fresh covenant, we are actually walking in what is already written for our life. And God is saying, hey, today I don't want you to neglect it. Sometimes we, we, we might look at and we might get a portion and we might get intimidated and be like, well, Lord, just the requirements. But God is saying, hey, there is grace for this. This is not something in and of your own strength. If I've written it, there is my provision that is available for you as you walk in it. But don't neglect it. Some of the prophetic things that God has spoken, I'm just sensing this, some of the words of prophecy that God has spoken of your life. That's why God has said, God is, I'm just kind of sensing this, that some people may have despised it and didn't realize that we despise prophecy, but our despisement came from neglecting it. Meaning that we just kind of cast it off to the side as if it was just a word, a common word, and, if it, and, it's, and as if it was a common thing. And God is just saying, hey, today, no, do not neglect it. That's pertaining to my kingdom. And generations are connected to it. So we will not neglect the house of our God. We will not neglect the word spoken. We will not neglect the dream given. We will not neglect the call that has been proclaimed. Today with the freshness on this new ecclesiastical year. To explain that just a little bit, it was the time where God had delivered his people from Egypt. And he said, and I'm giving this short version, he says, this is the first month. It was a part of deliverance 
and them leaving captivity following his call. So place that God has purpose and plan for them. So this day, this moment, with the freshness, with the fresh covenant, with the fresh commitment to what God has already covenanted with us, we say, God, we will not neglect your house. God, we will not neglect your call. God, we will not neglect your house. God, we will not neglect your call. Somebody's like, Lord, I know you've gifted me. And maybe I've neglected it. And I'm telling you, this is a time period where there has been maturity and development. That's what this time period is for. There are some things that God, if you were open, if you had the right knowledge and understanding that God has been pruning and shaping and removing and planting and nurturing in this year. But if you just went and neglected some things in your time and not consecrated that to him, then I'm telling you, guess what? You still have a moment for God to redeem and restore in this moment right now with your confession. God redeemed the time for some people that may have just kind of drifted and done their own things. Not so, not you. In this moment, God, we thank you for a fresh commitment in the name of Jesus. Come on. Come on. Just a fresh commitment in the name of Jesus. God, we thank you for your covenant. We thank you, God, for your word. God, we will not neglect it. God, with a freshness, Lord, we put our name. <laughs> we put our name on, ooh. Because God is saying, hey, because I put my name on you. Oh, my God. He says, you looked at this just from the natural of men that have sealed it, but I have sealed you by my spirit. I did this first, God's saying. I, I'm serious about you. I made my covenant with you first. <laughs> I made myself accountable to what I've spoken to you, and I will not forsake it. I will not neglect you, says God. I will not forsake you, God says. Whew. So much so that it is written, his name is written in blood over your life. He sealed it in blood over your life. And God is serious about what he gave you. He's serious about what he placed in your life and he's calling it forth. The new wine, the new oil, he says, bring it to me. Bring it to me. Bring it to me. He says, I know what to do with it. Bring it to me in the name of Jesus. And God, we say, yes, we give it to you. We give it to you with a freshness, God. We offer unto you with a freshness, God. We trust you, Lord. We don't have to know everything or see everything, God. We trust you because we know that you are a keeper of covenant. You are great. You are awesome. You are a keeper of covenant. God, we yield our total lives to you. With the freshness, oh, with the freshness, some of y'all just need to offer up a song to the Lord. Oh, with the freshness, Lord, <laughs> we give our oil with the freshness, Lord. <laughs> we give our wine with the freshness, Lord. We give our song with the freshness, Lord. We will not neglect the call. <laughs> we will not neglect your house. <laughs> we will not forsake, God, the purposes, God, that you've given us. 
Lord, so we say yes. <laughs> if anyone has been dealing with any inhibition, because I feel some people's like, some people have still been dealing with the fear of saying yes. I'm telling you, you can trust God. You can trust God. Because some people hold back and say, ah, you know, I don't want to do it because I don't want to be a hypocrite. No, God keeps you. That, that, that's, that, just, so just eschew, let that, let that excuse go. Just let that go. I know for somebody that's been a stronghold, some people have said, you know, I don't want to be a hypocrite because I've been trying to do this. Well, you know what? Because that's been in your own strength. But I'm telling you today, God is saying my strength is with you. You don't have to be hypocritical. Because some people say, yeah, you know, because I've had good intentions, but I know I fell through. No, let that go. If you repent, God forgives. And he says, hey, I am with you. I will not leave you nor forsake you. So you just lift up your hands and say, Lord, I give you me. <laughs> Someone just needs to say that. Lord, I give you me fresh this day. God, I start new this day. Somebody just needs to pray that prayer. Just follow me in that prayer. Say, Lord, I start new this day. I give you my life. I offer my life to you. <laughs> I offer my whole life to you this day. And I thank you for blessing it. I thank you for blessing me. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Now, the rest of us and all of us, can we just lift up our hands right now? I'm just kind of just sensing this, just a fresh oil. <laughs> Thank you, God. We receive this oil. That oil is symbolic of just an anointing. And that anointing is symbolic of an ability when God, uh, you know, that's an ability and, and a distinction of who you are in him and the ability that God has given you to do what he has called you to do. God, I, I just say God is giving that a fresh right now in this moment. God. And it's coming from his house to our house <laughs> to our lives. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. In the name of Jesus. From his house to this house on earth, this ministry to our lives in the name of Jesus. God, I thank you, Lord, for the oil flowing. Let it run from the beer, God. Let the oil flow. <laughs> Let the oil flow. Yeah, thank you, God, for knowledge and understanding freshly, God, for oil to flow in the name of Jesus. Glory to God. Hmm. Yeah. There's a hunger and a thirst. Mm. I am desperate. Immerse me, I'm not waiting, not anymore, I need